eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's Tannehill and Spiller Powercat podcast. Here are your hosts, former K-State tight end Travis Tannehill and former Wildcat safety Monte Spiller. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Tannehill and Spiller podcast. I am Travis Tannehill. Got Monty Spiller on the other line. Monty, how is your week going? Hey, man, it's uh, been a good week. Uh, Weather's been pretty good considering uh, the second week of November in Kansas. So no complaints, man. How about you? Oh, can't complain either. No. Opening day of pheasant seasons this weekend, so that's always good. Um, cats are off, which is timely. I don't have to choose between pheasant hunting and, and watching my cats. So, uh, so yeah. So you going you gonna stick around here, or are you heading out west to go hunt? Nah, we'll stick around. Uh, I mean, we'll head down to our, our family farm, which is about an hour southwest okay. of Manhattan. So, um, Central right Kansas, where we'll be hanging out. We're not going anywhere. To, we're not going out to Western Kansas. Too far. Uh, But, yeah, no high school football for you. Season's over and no cats coming up. What are we going to do with our day? That's a good question, man. Uh, Yard work, sleep, relax. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Get prepared for a big Iowa State game. That's what what the team better be doing. But we'll be be making our wives happy and getting caught up on the honeydew list. So, um, recap, Oklahoma State. What uh, where'd you watch the game? What are your overall thoughts of it? You know, um, watch the game at home. Um, going into the game, highly concerned about Ogie State and, and their offense and their defense for that matter as well. Um, and their offense having the potential to, to put up big numbers. But you know, overall, it's a game we should have won. I think um, you probably would agree. We had our opportunities: um, a fumble here, a missed tackle there. And it's a different ball game, you know. And I feel like uh, if you look at the game and, and outside of the last four or five minutes, we dominate. You know, defensive-wise, Oklahoma State really didn't have an answer for our defense. And our D-line with a four-man rush did a great job. And, and they, they gave Oklahoma State problems the whole game, you know. It's one of those things where they put pressure on the quarterback early. Uh, Chuba Hubbard had nowhere near – the game he had last year against us, and they end up, you know, taking him out of the game. I'm not sure if it was because of injury or because they were uh, sharing <laughs> minutes with the other back. But defense came ready to play. Yeah, our defense played exceptionally well. That was one of the more complete games they'd played 
Um, it's amazing what having AJ Parker back does for for a unit. The defense is so funny. It's you know, well, I mean, I guess it's the same as offense. You take quarterback out of an offense, and you know, things don't go very well. Uh, but yeah, you take one player out, AJ Parker, and it's like the whole defense fell apart. And I remember, you know, my senior year, we took Ty Zimmerman out against Baylor, and the whole defense fell apart. So uh, yeah, no, it, it is. Uh, it's amazing how yeah, one player. You know, especially like quarterback makes total sense, but on defense, you don't quite think of it to be that important for one player. I feel like you can maybe plug a guy in, cover it up, help him out, but it's uh, having AJ Parker back was, was nice and a nice surprise, and looked like he played pretty well um, and is pretty healthy moving forward. But yeah, you mentioned you know Chuba Hubbard. What he just hasn't had that good of a year. Like he's you know he's fine. Like he's not like horrible, but he, I don't know what has been the drop off there. Uh, I was more impressed with, you know, L.D. Brown, Oklahoma State's other back. Holy cows, that is a man, um, yeah. mammoth of a man. I uh, yeah. I would not want to tackle that human being. What yeah. uh, what were your thoughts on him? And, and, and really just any thoughts on Oklahoma State's, you know, anytime you can have two good running backs, that's always great. Um, I guess yeah. I'm looking here at Chuba. You know, Chuba only got six carries. So um, it's almost like Oklahoma State's, you know, Likes LD Brown better, which I, I can't blame them. He 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 looked very good. <laughs> yeah, no, that LD, he he was like you said, he was big and fast, and the guy was quick on his feet. He wasn't just one of those running backs that had either he's gonna run you over or he's gonna uh, outrun you. He can make you miss an open space as well, or he can run you over if you wanted to. He had, he is definitely a complete back, and like you said, Oklahoma State if they're smart, and I get that they want to feel like they're committed to. Chuba Hubbard, and, and he's a great back, but this kid, that Brown kid, if you ask me, he's starting the game, and I'm bringing Hubbard off the, the bench next game based on how they performed this past week. You know, I'm not sure how Coach Gundy operates during the week. If you, know, if you have a better practice, you start this week or vice versa. But that Brown kid needs to be on the field, and he is a difference maker. Our defense found out, and I think the rest of the Big 12, if they don't know now, they better listen real quick and, and, and check the kid out. It'd be interesting to see how he does against uh, Oklahoma when they play Oklahoma. But, no, um, good-looking athlete. I was impressed with him. He definitely passed the eye test. You know, he's one of those guys where the old joke, let him get off the bus first um, before anybody else. And he's a good-looking kid, man. I was very impressed with him. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, only 5'9". Huh, I would not have – I would have thought he was much bigger than 5'9". But he he was pretty thick, and he – he ran hard and, and he was hard to take down and overall a very uh you know j- just a, a good running back and it's always nice to have two but yeah if i'm with you i know i know chuba hubbard kind of carried him last year but shoot go with the hot hand do who's uh who's helping you out this year so um offensively obviously the big question the big controversy not controversies that's not the right word but the big talking point after the game was obviously will howard's uh performance lack thereof giant mistakes uh, that you know there's 70 80 plays in a ball game one of them doesn't make or break the game but he uh he made some very big glaring mistakes that were costly what yeah are your thoughts on will how did he play overall how can he you know sharpen things up uh, for those giant mistakes we're, we're mentioning here you know it's one of it's the little things and, and i'm pretty sure the coaches have made adjustments and, and, and would do a good job of coaching them up but you know me as a player a defensive guy from the, watching the game and i said it to myself the first run he had 
I said to myself, he needs to cover the ball up. Because a couple of times he ran through traffic and he never covered the ball with two hands. He kept it in one one hand, which is fine if you're hitting the sidelines. But several times, even in his big run, uh, right before contact, he didn't cover the ball up. You know, and late in the game, that was costly when the ball was stripped and they were turning for a touchdown. And I said to myself, I, I said, man, you know, maybe somebody else is seeing what I'm seeing and they're in this area and say, hey, cover the dang ball up. And it didn't happen. And late in the game, and if you go back and watch the game, you'll see several of his runs. Two or three, two guys were hitting him simultaneously, and he never covered the ball up with two hands. He left it in one. And so I'm thinking, you know, come on, you, you got to get you a freshman. But that's football knowledge and understanding. You play at the Power 5 co- uh, conference, and guys can hit, and guys make plays. So that's one other thing. I don't know if it's just him just not thinking about it or he felt comfortable with it. But then also with the late throws, uh, especially the one uh, at the end of the game when we had a chance to drive the field and possibly win. Um, I, I like the fact that the, the coaching staff had confidence to throw him first down, but, you know, you can't make those mistakes. You know, the receiver looked, appeared to be open, and he just overthrew the guy, you know, and that just come with practice, repetition, understanding, getting your feet set, and you being an offensive guy, you understand that, being a, a quarterback, getting a good base and letting the ball fly. And he looked off balance, and the ball flew high, and the guy got an interception, which ultimately ended the game. But, you know, what, what else do we have to go with? Do you change quarterbacks at this point in the season? Not at all. You stay with what you've been going with because at the same time, he I hate to say he cost us the game, but he put, in situations, he put us in situations where we could have won and we didn't. But on the flip side, there were games where he played well and kept drives going and, and uh, allowed us to win also. So you got to look at both sides. You take the good with the bad. And after all that said, we still got a chance to win out and make it to the championship game for the conference. Yeah, no, all those are good points. And, yeah, that ball security thing's a, you know, it's I, – I feel like the more you carry the ball, the more you kind of just kind of forget about ball security. Uh, you know, he, he carried the ball, shoot, 14 times that game. And so right. – the more comfortable you get, hey, I'm out in space, you know, you just kind of forget to cover it up because, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, Sammy Wheeler's reception. Uh, I think it was like 55, 58 yards, something like that, down the middle of the tight end, Sammy Wheeler. You saw him looking back, covering the ball up with both hands. I mean, because, you know, those tight ends, you know, they're not used to catching, you know, they're not carrying the ball 14 times a game. They're only touching it two, three, maybe four times a game. So they, you know, it's almost like I remember being that way. It's like, man. I'm only going to get one or two catches this game. I better not fumble. <laughs> and so it's uh, you'd almost have that. The more you carry the ball, the more comfortable you get, the more you just kind of forget about ball security. And I remember that, you know, even going back to high school, I mean, I was a quarterback and shoot, I fumbled once a game just because I ran the ball 30 times a game. So you just kind of forget about it and you're, you're in your zone and you're uh, so, you know, it, but you can't forget about it. I mean, it's, you know, you got to, uh, Honestly, you, you, you need to not be thinking about it. It needs to be second nature. You need to practice it so much in practice and so much, um, you know, repetition of covering that ball up and keeping that thing high and tight that because, you know, you're not thinking about it when you're out there running on the field. You're just thinking about, you know, avoiding dudes trying to take your head off. So that'll come with time. You know, I think obviously he probably didn't have the didn't need to have the strictest ball security when he played high school ball. Uh, but now that you're at the Big 12, I mean, yeah, those guys are taught to. Uh, you know, be punching that ball out. And, and this, you know, caveat to that is if you're known as a fumbler, if you're known as someone who's got weak ball security, they'll see that on film and they'll start going after you even more. So uh, he, he needs to clean that up quicker, you know, 
sooner rather than later. That way he doesn't kind of get that reputation because, yeah, they start punching that ball out. They start, instead of trying to tackle you, they start going for the strips. I mean, that's not a good place to be um, as a quarterback because then every single time you better make sure you got two hands on that ball because they're, uh, they're coming after that ball instead of your legs at that point. Absolutely, absolutely. So, no, and like I said, he's young, and I'm not making excuses for him. And he's how many games in now as a starter. It's one of those things where, you know, you kind of take that label of a freshman off of the guy because you've been through the fires. You had some positive and some negatives. And basically, we're putting the game in your hands to be our leader, and you got to run with it. And I, I hope that he keeps his confidence and the team continues to rally around him. I mean, one thing I noticed at the end of the game when he did fumble that ball, I mean, through the interception late and fumble, a lot of guys went up to him, you know, um, pat him on the back and kind of gave him words of encouragement from the coaching staff and players, which I, I appreciated that, and nobody pointed fingers, you know what I mean? And that's one thing I hope they continue to do and build that young man up because he has a positive uh, future ahead of him no matter what. So hopefully that uh, follows up this week and then next week before they play Iowa State. Makes sense. Hopping over to the receiving core, Jax Deneen. Kansas State's leading receiver from last Saturday. Uh, four receptions, 35 yards, 8.8 average. Uh, I would have loved to see a uh, um, you know a money line on that. I think money line is the right term. I'm not a gambler. So if you're a gambler, I, I might have just botched uh, whatever the odds are supposed to be for a Jack Stenine to be the uh, you know to be the leading receiver for Kansas State. What's what's going on with that receiving core? How you know, how in the world is Jackson Neen our leading, leading receiver? Well, here's the thing about it. Give, give the coaching staff credit, for one, because they understand right now our skill guys, um, the receivers aren't doing squat. They are not consistent. They are not making big plays. You know, when they, they get opportunity, it's just not happening. Like you said, if you look at it, the tight ends and the um, running backs are doing the best, and they are keeping that to a point where – they have to keep everything consistent. But the coaching staff did a really good job of looking at other options as far as um, the passing game. Because I tell you what, going into the game, Jax was one of the last persons I would have thought that would have been the leading receiver, let alone get a, a pass call, but a leading receiver for that matter. Yeah. So, um, but, but I like the fact that our coaching staff is smart enough to say, hey, you know what, we're struggling. This is what we got to do. Yeah, with, you know, Sammy Wheeler went down with, a, I think they said a broken collarbone uh, is his diagnose, diagnosis. He's out for the remainder of the season. Um, Deuce Vaughn's been relatively quiet the last two or three games. I think defenses are taking away Deuce Vaughn and making you beat them somewhere else. And no one really has stepped up, um, you know, from from my eyes. If you had to pick one person, you know, Deuce Vaughn's off the board, um Briley Moore's questionable this week. Let's say he's off the board. I think he's the obvious answer if Briley Moore can come back. Sammy Wheeler's hurt. Who is, you know, who's the guy that's got to step up? Is it, um, you know, is it Harry Trotter? Is it Philip Brooks? Malik Knowles? Who, um, Seth Porter got, got, a, got a carry last week. Who is, you know, the next man up who's, who's going to have to, someone has to do because we need some more offensive production. So who do you see stepping up uh, next week when we play Iowa State? You know, that's, that's, a tough, that's a tough one, man, because Iowa State runs that 3-3 defense, and so it kind of puts you in a situation where you're going against speed. And so my thing is, do we want to slow the game down? Probably, because their defense is built on speed, and they want to con- contain the edge. And so, like you said, Deuce, they're probably going to be keying on him, but we need a, a bigger, powerful back to run the ball. 
I'll say go with the heavy package. You bring in Deneen, you bring in Barta, uh, and you run the ball uh, as much as possible. You know, and I'm not going to say it's going to be a receiver or, or or a skilled guy per se, but I say pound the rock and bring in a heavy package and milk the clock and, and be more physical. Because I think our D-line will do great against our O-line and put us in situations where we can. But as far as offensive-wise, we need to bring in a heavy package and a pound the rock. That's what I would do personally. But, you know, it, it's too soon to stay. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. And uh, K State offensive staff has uh, you know two two whole weeks to prepare and draw up a good game plan. But overall statistics, I just wanted to point out. So total yards, K State won that battle, three seventy to two fifty six. Passing yards, believe it or not, K State won that battle, one forty three. Oklahoma State had one hundred eight. Rushing yards, K State two twenty seven to one forty eight. Yards per play, five point six to four point one. First downs, K State won. Uh, third down efficiency, K-State didn't wasn't great, but they were actually better than Oklahoma State. Uh, fourth down was a draw, 0-0. Zero zero. Uh, we had one less punt than Oklahoma State. We had 15 less yards of penalties. We Kansas State won every single major statistical stat that you can have in a ballgame other than turnover battle. They lost the turn. They lost the fumble. Lost one fumble, which was you know returned for a six, six points going the other direction, and we threw and uh, Will Howard threw that interception late. So I I felt horrible for Will Howard. I, I mean I just because it's like man K State they played pretty well. You take away those two turnovers, I think Kansas State wins that game, and you can solely put that on. Um, honestly, you can put you can put a hundred percent of both those turnovers on Will Howard. I know not not all the time um, that's the case. A lot of times a receiver is tipping it, or you know D line tips it, and uh, you know it is what it is. But both those were a hundred percent you know his fault. And then Kansas State won every other single category. So wh- how do you come back from that if you're Will Howard, or what do you look for? Um, you know, just a game that you you basically won. You just had two bad plays, and and that you know kind of cost you the game. What just I, I was surprised when I saw the stat line. I thought it would be. I thought Oklahoma State would maybe be a slight edge in all those categories, and K State found a way to stay in the game. But when you look at the statistics, no, K State dominated that ball game. They just had two big turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Well, here, well, here's the good news. This you asked, how do you come back from it? He has two things that's positive for him. They got a bye week, so they got two weeks to prepare for Iowa State. All right. Uh, and you know that the team is battling with some COVID issues again. It sounds like it's a bunch of young players, which is not saying that's good news, but c- considering uh, it could be worse, you know, we're thankful that uh, we're able to play the game, you know. But on the flip side, we got a bye week. And also, we, like I said before, you win this game, you are still in the running for the Big 12 championship, you know, and that's something to play for. And if you think about where K-State started and where they're at now, and they are still in a great position to make it to the championship game. That's a lot of motivation. And if you're on that, if I'm going to play on, on today's team, I'm waking up in the morning thinking, hey, we still can make it, and why not start with the Iowa State game? And then you got Baylor and Texas, obviously. But you they are set up for success. They just got to find a way. And every game we've been in this year, uh, with the exception of West Virginia, that just went downhill real quick. Outside of that, we've been in every game this year. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and honestly, I think these next, uh, you know, these next three games, Baylor's playing a little bit better, so I could see the, you know, these last three games, 
Yeah. Honestly, the last four games of the season kind of worried me. They were all, you know, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas. I mean, I, I felt like that our season was very – not I felt. I think it was factual that the last uh, four games of our season, uh, our schedule was very backloaded. Um, but, yeah, there's no one the, – the, the Big 12 just seems to be very even this year. There's no one that – is a, is a piece of cake other than, you know, KU. Uh, but other than that, everyone's very, very similar. And like you said, I mean, what's, um, you know, what's that now? Two losses in the Big 12? I mean, yeah. if you yeah. told me four and two in the Big 12 heading into week eight, I'd be like, eh, I'll take it. Like, that, that, yeah. that, that, that this is a pretty good season so far. So, and that's what we've heard a lot of the players and coaches kind of say overall is they're just like, hey, guys, we're playing football. Like, we didn't know in July or August if we were, they were even going to let us attempt to have a season. So I think there is a lot of graciousness and um, a lot of thankfulness going on. But at the end of the day, you know, we, hold, we heard, uh, you know, Coach Kleiman say, you know, there are no moral victories. they got to find a way to win these close ball games, which is kind of what you just mentioned. Right, right. So, no, and I think if you, if you look at our team as a whole – we lose our starting quarterback, who's been a leader for us for the last two, three years, uh, and we have a true freshman step in. We got a true freshman running back. We have a pretty much a brand new O line um, as far as starts together. If you think about that, and I know we talked about that at the beginning of the year, these guys have gelled fairly well, fairly quickly, considering uh, what, what we had going in. We got a couple of guys departure. We had a couple of receivers that we thought were going to be good that hadn't showed up yet. Um, the secondary. It's been beat up. We've had guys drop here and there, and uh, but we still continue to play good football, you know. And we have guys step up, so I'm excited about the Iowa State game. You know, around these parts, we call it Farmageddon. A lot of people don't uh, nationwide don't know that, but between Iowa and K State, Iowa State and K State, excuse me, we call it Farmageddon, and we take pride in that, and it's fun. And I appreciate both programs and both communities. So I'm excited about the opportunity. And I know they're gunning for us because how many has it been in the road that we beat them? Um, 10, Shoot, 11, a lot. In like 10, 11 in a row? Yeah, I never and, lost to them. I, um, it, it, yeah, we've definitely, for whatever reason, we found, and I would say, you know, you probably look at the records and over the last decade, I think K-State's got the edge, but not by much. And so, you know, yeah. you would think that it would maybe be like a 60 to 70% uh, wins for K-State and 30% for Iowa State. Um, but no, it's, it's been, you know, it's been domination by, by Kansas state, which is, which has been a lot of fun, which, yeah, we can transition over to that Iowa state, um, which Farmageddon, like you said, we talked last week about Oklahoma state, how similar it was to a Kansas state. I feel like Iowa state's another program like that. I mean, they're kind of, um, you know, we got OU, Kansas, Iowa. Those are kind of your, uh, you know, the, the non-state schools, and they're kind of a little similar. Um, and then you got the AC schools, which is which is Stillwater and Manhattan and, and Ames. So I do think you know the fan bases play on that, um, and it, it is fun. It is fun. They're always a physical program. Um, they're they're fun to go against. I, I always love playing Iowa State. How'd you feel about them overall playing against them? Oh yeah, I, I, I like I say it was one of those games, and it was guaranteed that no matter if it was, I don't know why they schedule us so late in the year, but they always do, it's guaranteed to be cold. <laughs> no matter where you were playing, either in Manhattan or up in Ames, it was a cold game. But it's one of those things where both teams were blue, somewhat blue-collar teams. The coaches were no-nonsense coaches. They uh, they recruited guys that, that were program guys that was going to work hard and buy into what they were selling. And, and like I said, the fan bases were the same. You know, you got guys walking around in cowboy boots, you go to the parking lot, there's 
uh, diesel trucks parked everywhere. You, you know, you name it, you see it. And that was part of that ag culture, as you said earlier, and you take pride in it. But no, Iowa State is a fun game, and I've, been, I've played against them. I went to a game up in Ames before as a fan. They treated us well. You know, after the game, when we won, they hop out and say, hey, good luck next week against whoever we played, and vice versa. Me personally, I've never had a negative experience with Iowa State, so uh, I enjoy when we play them. My only negative experience with Iowa State was, I think it was two years ago at the Big 12 tournament, basketball tournament in uh, in Kansas City. And their fans just bought all the tickets. Like, <laughs> like that was, I was like, you guys just got too many fans and you're driving my ticket prices up. So that was my biggest negative is they made me spend more for basketball tickets than I wanted to spend. Uh, but, you know, if that's the worst thing is that their fans travel well, then, uh, then they got something going. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I feel like I don't know if this is a national talking point, but especially among K-State fans, it seems like Iowa State, you know, it, it's we've had their number the last, you know, five, seven, ten years. And, and K-State usually does a pretty nice job. And Matt Campbell and Iowa State always seems to get some national recognition early on in the season. And then they always end up at seven or eight wins. And it's. I don't know. They're just kind of fun because I don't. They don't really scare me. But it's a good game. It's a good rivalry. I never have been to Ames, so actually, that's a that's a nice easy drive. I probably need to add that to my uh, to my list here in the next couple of years. As long as the season's uh, you know next season opens up a little more normal from COVID. But I mean, overall, it's a great program. I, I would I would not hesitate at all you know if i had a kid that was getting recruited by him i would not hesitate at all to send him up to matt campbell um from what i hear he's a great coach um and and a good college town and a good clean program so you know when we look at that i mean i don't think it's it's too easy to talk negative about him um when we talk about a bunch of eight win seasons it's kind of fun to poke fun at him but uh you know from a player standpoint i mean obviously their their guy that they like is brock purdy um which you mentioned a couple minutes ago, you know, we lost Skyler. Imagine where we'd be if we just had Skyler. Like, and that, that, that was, I was thinking that the other day. I was like, man, if we just had Skyler, we, you know, we didn't play well against West Virginia, and we maybe would have been in that ball game. But, like, we might be a one or a zero loss team if we still had Skyler, which is kind of, you know, makes me a little sad. But uh, yeah. Brock Purdy overall, you know, quarterback, this Iowa State team, just kind of, what's your thoughts Overall, you mentioned a little bit of the you know the defensive side earlier in the in the segment, um, but just you know what's Kansas State need to do to make sure they're prepared to go in there and play well. Yeah, man, like they they and and Iowa State always has good running backs. I don't know how they get good running backs, but they always do. It's like year in and year out they find these dudes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden those guys are playing on Sundays. But no, Brock Purdy, he's been one of the higher recruits for Iowa State in the last couple of years, and and he reminds me a, a lot of the quarterback from Texas. Um, Ellinger. He's not as big as Ellinger, but he throws the ball well and he can run also. And he's, he competes. That's one thing about Purdy that stands out for me with him. He competes. He's not one of those guys that's going to uh, give up on the play. He's going to try to get every yard possible, which sometimes gets him in trouble uh, where he can fumble or he'll throw interception. But the guy competes. And, you know, that's what you want as an uh, offensive guy. But he, like, he didn't scare me because we had good luck against him the last couple of years. But I think if he got hot and up there, up there in Ames, uh, they get a little rowdy. And although the crowd may not be uh, packed, but still that momentum makes a big difference. But I think that our D-line will do a good job of containing him as they did last week with uh, Spencer Sanders from, from Oakley State. But Purdy's a good quarterback. He's a good leader. 
and he's kind of the face of that program right now, but he doesn't scare me. He doesn't scare me. You know who does scare me? Who was that? Brees Hall, their running back. <laughs> the, Wichita, like the, the Wichita native, man. He's he's good. Yeah. Um, man, he, he, he's good. So he uh, – Man, yeah, he he does scare me. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Brock Purdy. I think you know he's a little overhyped. I know. I think we were going after his his, uh, his little brother last year, and, and he yeah. ended up going somewhere else. So that, that leaves a little sour taste in my mouth for the whole Purdy family. Um, yeah, Brock Brock Purdy. I don't want to if I want to compare him, you know, like a Skyler, someone who's a little bit more of a game manager. Um, I, I, yeah, he just doesn't scare me. But this Brees Hall kid, man, I mean. Yeah. He's a he's a freak. He's a stud. He's only and he's young. He's only a sophomore. So um, yeah. I think you know it should be a like you mentioned earlier. If Kansas State's going to come out and, and run the ball and try to try to pound it, I mean I think that's what Iowa State's going to do um, and, and really make this Kansas State defense stop the run, which Kansas State has has done that pretty well. So they've shown that their defensive front is very good. So this I think this game will come down to. Um, Iowa State's O-line and running game versus Kansas State's D-line and, and linebackers core stopping that run game because, I mean, it's right. it's good on good. It's strong it's strong point versus strong point. And whoever's, uh, you know, both those units are great for, for both these teams and, the, and probably the strong point of their team. And it'll be curious to see whose is better. So um, I think that's really where the game's going to come down to. If, if, if Iowa State struggles to run the ball, then, um, you know, and put the ball in Brock Purdy's hand, which, you know, he's fine. But um, I, I think – that they want to run the ball in that run game for them has been so um, electric and, and, and so productive that this Kansas State defense has their, you know, got their work cut out for them. Right. No, no, I agree. That's what makes it fun. But like you said, uh, that Brees Hall, man, he's special. I'm happy for the kid because he is a Kansas native, Kansas native excuse me, from Wichita area. And uh, I know uh, not just us and other schools, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, we're looking at him. But it's one of those things like, man, Kudos to Iowa State to be one of the first schools that offered him. So, and and he's one of you know a lot. Of, and nowadays, you don't get a whole lot of kids that uh, stay with their commits. But when he committed to them, he stayed true. So, I mean, good for him and good for them. I'm just hoping he has an off week next week when we go play him up and aim. So, shoot, we'll yep, you only both. But yeah, looking at his stats, I mean, he's already over a thousand yards. Got 13 touchdowns. 15 receptions, 88 yards receiving, one one uh, one receiving touchdown. So I mean, yeah, he's a he's an all around back. He's an all around back. Which um, well, you just mentioned, you know, guys sticking to their sticking to their commitments. I'm trying to see here. K State had another transfer this morning, um, which has been I don't know how many that is now. And I'd love to follow some other schools. I don't, you know, the the Twitter. Um, I don't follow other beat reporters from other schools. All I follow is K-State guys for the most part. So I don't see if these other schools are having, you know, younger younger guys that aren't playing transfer. Um, but, yeah, th- th- three-star Ty- Tyrone Lewis uh, transferred from Kansas State, defensive back. And is this – it seems like it's more than normal. Um, it, it, I, I don't – and I would, you know, if we put pen to paper, I'm, I'm can almost guarantee that there's been more transfers this year than there has been of late. Whether that's Bill Snyder era, whether that's Coach Kleiman's first year, um, it just seems like the transfer portal has been hot. One is that because, you know, this season doesn't count. Even if they've played, they can still transfer, and there's really no eligibility issues. Um, it's not like they lost a season or anything. Um, is that one? You know, is it just a COVID thing, or is it two? 
you know, that's just the way the world is now. These kids are so connected, and they're like, hey, I'm not playing. Well, you know, next thing you know, their buddy from whoever, another program, talks to their coach and says, well, shoot, he's better than our guy. Get him over here. Is that is the world just so connected now that these guys are just, um, you know, jumping ship and kids don't want to sit behind kids? Or what do you attribute to just the high volume of transfers? And I know we see it at Kansas State. I'm fairly certain it's happening everywhere. Um, just – Overall, what, what what's the reason and, and how do we avoid it? Because I hate it. Yeah, I I think, you know, for, first of all, to answer your last question, some rules need to be put in place. I think when the, trans, the transfer portal became a thing, that opened up a big can of worms that nobody expected. But um, with the year being the way it is with COVID and everything, that played a significant part in it also. But like you said, it's not just football. But it's just society in general with young people, not all, but a large majority, they are so used to instant gratification and they're not used to working and waiting and being patient to be the guy. You know, you get some guys that buy into it and understand that, but then a lot of guys think, well, I see my buddy, and a lot of it is social media as well. They see these guys getting all this coverage, getting all this publicity, and they want that. So they're not patient enough to, for their time to come around to get that. They want it right now. So it's not working out where I'm at now. Let me go somewhere. Or it's not working out here. I'm going to go somewhere. Just like, you know, uh, and it's so much like, uh, and you asked about other schools. I know um, Deion Sanders, the new head coach at Jackson State, yep. which is a historical black college. And he's had, and I think a lot of that to do with the fact that he's Deion Sanders, yeah. which I would be back. I will play for him too as well. But uh, he had a kid from Florida State that just left decommit, uh, decommitted from Florida State or transferred from Florida State to Jackson State. And that's happening with some of the, the bigger Power 5 schools are losing some of their players to Jackson State. And I'm pretty sure it'll uh, accumulate as well to some other historical black colleges as well. But I think it's the fact that they get to play right away. And if they don't get to play right away, they, they got to go somewhere else. And you might have a bad year and all of a sudden, okay, I had a bad year. I need a change. And, you know, and that's one thing I, I'm a believer in. I know you're a believer in football, the game of football, the sport of football. It teaches you life lessons and you're going to have some ups and downs. And when you persevere through that, you're going to become a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better citizen, a better worker, a better CEO, whatever it may be. But that's just going through adversity. And a lot of times kids haven't been told no or there's so many options available for them to take the easy way out. That's just facts. Yeah, transfer portal made it easier, made it almost too easy, which going down to the high school ranks, uh, Jaden Williams, uh, the the young player that was also, um, you know, classmates with Jake Rubley, uh, who's the next quarterback, uh, you know, Skyler, Will, Jake Rubley, you know, Jake, Jake and, and Will would probably have a pretty good quarterback battle. We just lost Jaden Williams, uh, you know, we just, Kansas State just lost his commitment. Do you think... Kansas State holds on to to Jake Rubley throughout this process, or does he see the writing on the wall of Will Howard getting all this playing time, and Will's just going to have such a big lead on him next year when Jake Rubley, uh, you know, comes to town that he's, you know, where do you, how do you see Jake Rubley and that playing out between now uh, and when he shows up on campus, and does he show up on campus? Well, I say yeah, I think he will show up on campus. You know, and I think he has such a good relationship with Coach Kleinman and Coach Klein, uh, for that matter, and that makes a big difference. I have never met the young man personally. I read a bunch of articles about him, 
and I saw where he made a comment on Twitter that he is still committed to K-State. And from my understanding, I don't know because I didn't talk firsthand, but just secondhand information, the, the young man that decided to uh, decommit, I guess there was some under, other underlining issues that people weren't aware of in the public that's just not football-related, but just as individual. I'm not saying that's the case. I don't know, so I'm not for sure, but that's just hearsay from other outlets as well. But I'm thinking that uh, Rubley is committed from, from jump, and I think he will stick it out. And I think, you know, and not knocking Will Howard, but I think it'd be good for him, you know. Yep. He's he going to have to compete, and he, he understands this is what's going on. And and you'll find out, in case they knows it, you play in the Big 12, and you play in the offense that K-State run, you need two quality quarterbacks. And right now you might not be starting. Blink of an eye, boom, you're in there. So yep. it's, one of, it's one of those things where you got to look at that, you know, and you know very well how that goes. Shoot, I was an 18-year-old freshman and fourth on the depth chart, and everyone got hurt. I was first <laughs> real fast <laughs> as a 190-pound tight end. It was horrible. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, well, personally, I, uh, I'm i with you. I, I have never talked to Jake Rubley. I have no idea what's going through his head. Um I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I I, per, I probably think he, he decommits. Um, I, I just put myself in his shoes or put myself in his dad's shoes and be like, hey, if that's my son, um, you know, I might be trying to talk to some other people. Um, and so how about this? If Rubley shows up on campus, we're going to lunch on me. If Rubley doesn't show up on campus, you got you to gotta take me to lunch. Does that work? Deal. 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 So you've got the edge right now because, uh, you know, at the, as of now, he, he's committed. So um, right. I, I, I hope he comes and because and, uh, it and honestly, what probably happens and this is what I also hate. But it's, you know, if you're Jake Rubley, it's not like you're not committing to five years. You're only committing to one year now with the transfer portal. So he might be like, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to battle this kid next year. And, you know, battle Will Howard. And if. Um, if I lose, well, then I'll just transfer. So, uh, which is kind of what the transfer portal has created, which is which is not good. They they need to figure something else out because that's not uh, that's not fair and that's not right for for the coaches and the other players. But um, any other thoughts on anything? We can wrap up and uh, enjoy a nice off weekend uh, as we get ready for Iowa State. No, that's about it. Hey, you have a good time pheasant hunting. Be safe out there. Enjoy the weather, and uh, we will talk to you. Uh, in a couple of weeks after we get down with the Iowa State game. Sounds good, Monty. Appreciate it. No no high school ball and no college ball, so you'll, uh, you'll be nice and bored, paint the house, just do some yard work, something like that. So appreciate you. Yeah, have a good weekend, buddy. All right, take care. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.